What you saying about Boot Gang, though? Y'all know how to say his name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, B O O N K. Uh, you know, he's like online. Pretty much just getting a lot of clout just for like doing stupid shit. Just running through yeah. grocery stores, knocking everything off the shelf. I just yeah, he was going to try Popeyes or something. He had huh? a few in Popeyes. He did have a few in Popeyes. I mean, probably. We like, I mean, he actually, I think he got charges at Popeyes. Like he would go in there and like hop behind the counter, be like, "I'm about to make this myself." Boom, boom. Yeah, see that, Get exactly. him a two piece and a biscuit and some mashed potatoes, and then he'd dip out. Exactly. And then they call the police. That's that energy. The guy that's in New York, New York, don't know that. I don't know where he's at. I don't know where he's at, but um, I think I don't know. No, he's in the south. I think he's like in Atlanta or something. He might, I don't know where he is. Wherever he is, he's doing crazy stuff. But but basically, he's at a point now where he switched it all up. Now he's, like, giving back to the community. Uh, like, <clears throat> was it the Shade Room or World Star or Baller Alert posted him, and it's, like, hashtag motivation, hashtag inspiration. So now he's, like, using his, his influence for, like, positivity. Yeah. So it just makes me kind of question, like, is that is that the way to get on? Our conversation right before was, like, artists – Coming into the entertainment and then finding ways to like leverage business opportunities and kind of take take it much further, um, as it was mentioned, like chameleonaire and all that. So I just wonder if that's the new way. Like that's the new way. If like cats is finding ways to get clout, then they, you know they cut their hair off and they find a new way to like, I guess rebrand themselves because the followers are already there. So yeah, I definitely think it's like. I feel like somebody's putting them on, though. Because, I mean, at some point, he got a manager, bro. Boonk or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because he's making bread for appearances or whatever he's doing. So, I feel like at some point, they just, like, put them on to, like, yo, you can actually flip it now and do this. And that's going to even grow your following more. And people will be paying more attention because it's way different than what you were doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But then I feel like, but then, the, you know, guys, like, I feel like Cole or, like, you know, Akon always had a mission. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, all, they always had, like, their mind kind of set on that. Yeah, in a sense, like, they kind of always, like, that was in them so deep. Maybe even 50, like you were saying earlier, where, like, they always had, like, a mission to do something more than just rap. I feel that. You know what I'm saying? I feel that. So, I don't know. Yo, welcome to another episode of Helping Homies Win, the podcast, Tools for Lifting the Generation. Was that, oh, that that was your line, huh? No, I mean, you you did it, so go ahead. Um, This your boy, (laughs) (laughs) T-Rock. This is your boy, Antonio J. Bell, and, um... You know, we got a special guest today, man. Um, this is my boy. We uh, met probably about three years ago now uh, on a show called Baby Driver. We were both in different phases of our lives at the time. He was a PA. I was an EMT working on set of this uh, dope film. We were probably like two of a handful of people of color <laughs> on set. Um, but, you know, with that, of course, we connected and chopped and like developed a relationship. And neither one of us knew you know, how the story was going to unfold over the next couple of years. But we stayed in touch, man. This dude is doing some really, really dope things right now. Um, I'm not even going to set up his story because we're going to talk about it. But I'd like to welcome my boy, Jamon Brown, to the podcast. Yo. Thank you for having me. Nice to uh, meet everyone that I've met here. Well, well, we met before, brother. Yeah, we met before. <laughs> first <laughs> Pleasure meeting you too, brother. <laughs> Pleasure meeting you too. <laughs> talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's good, bro? How you feeling today, dog? I'm, I'm feeling great. Great about where I'm at in life, and I'm feeling uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. To yeah, be black. Yeah. It's a good time to be black. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Why you say that? Uh, it's 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 just a, it's a there's the doors are more open for us. The, mm-hmm. There's a, a market that says black is a good, beautiful thing, and it needs to be seen. Uh, it's a 
It's a good time to be black. All the black movies and TV shows that are out right now, black artists doing more than, like we were just talking about, more than just music, you know? Yeah. They're giving back to the community. They're, they're doing a lot of things right now for the community, and it's better than what it has been before. So, look, I've got ADD, so I'm, I'm going to respond to that. But first, I just want to say, um, a spectacular Blue Smith was the dude from Pretty Ricky we were talking about who... Spectacular Blue Smith. Yeah. And he had a... He the does short, a, that's the short dude. They're one of the shortest dudes Spectacular. in the group okay. and Pretty the Ricky. Dude with the yes, yes, okay. yes. And he's, he's got an ad wizard where he helps other artists make a bunch of money using social media. And that's... I mean, you would never expect it. But that was what I was saying earlier. <laughs> anyway, it's a beautiful time to be black. So... <laughs> But a lot of we're people talking about embracing black to pretty Ricky. That's what's up. Yeah, well, I mean, I was just, you know, it was a former conversation that we had <laughs> off air. Whatever. I like it. I like but. it. <laughs> I like it. So, I mean, but a lot of people don't like fully embrace that though, bro. Yet. Like they still, they still feel like we have a long way to go, but I mean, why do you feel like that? I I, didn't, I don't feel like that. I'm you just do. saying there's people I know that still feel like there's a long way to go before we really reach a point where we have um Arrived like we haven't arrived yet. Yeah, what we're doing is good, but you know what I mean. I think I follow what you mean. I, I think that's. I don't think that's the actuality. I think that's just a mentality of those yeah. type of people that believe that. I mean, freedom is a personal, so it's all a mental. What you have agreed with yourself and what you're doing in life, and not not yeah. with the actuality of what other people do. Your, yeah. your freedom doesn't lie within. The choices other people make it relies within yourself. Right. I like that. I like that. That's, I, that's I, I do feel like people, we are definitely embracing black more. Um, I felt like even maybe three years ago, five years ago, um, these like public figures probably would have been criticized a lot more for doing things for the community. So I feel like now it is definitely getting more attention. Even though there is more like resistance, it feels like there's also not an equal amount, but also more support for it. To kind of encourage people to keep moving forward. So, I like that. So it's a good time to be black. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, so I mean, talk about that though. So, you say freedom is a, you're saying freedom is a choice pretty much, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a choice. Uh, I don't 100% agree, agree with everything that Kanye has done or said. But disclaimer, I disclaimer, disclaimer. Bro, T, bro, T talk about Kanye, but go ahead. But no, a, listen, for the people, there's a whole episode that we haven't aired because this man don't want us to talk about Kanye. It won't, it won't be aired ever. <laughs> Unless you hack my cloud. But go ahead, bro. But there was something in he something in his conversation that he had with uh what was that interview he just recently did with uh Charlemagne God. God, yeah. yeah. I still ain't watched that. I think it's the mentality of like uh, Donald Trump, for instance, he wanted to become president. It's a mentality. When you choose your personal freedom to believe you can achieve what you want to achieve, you can. Right. It's, it's a freedom. You set yourself free mentally. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like that mentality of we, we're not quite there yet is, is people saying, I don't know if we should embrace it yet because I don't think we're ready mm -hmm. yet. I don't think... I don't think we're going to be accepted yet, and we don't have to be accepted. We, as long as we accept ourselves, right, and then we accept our community, people that look like us, there's nothing that can stop us. So, in, in essence, it's like the, the what's keeping us from, you know, achieving whatever we want to become is our own, I guess, doubts in ourselves, which is yeah, fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And doubts and fear. So, how you manage that? Uh, you. 
Because you can't live. I mean, life, I, I mean, that's my, my, my thing. I don't think life can be lived without. I feel like fear is in part of a, a, an emotion. Anxiety is an emotion. And those are, are things that are, are natural to the human condition, right, that we're going to deal with for our entire existence. So for you, how do you manage um, those fears, those doubts, those? I, I think it starts with you have to identify what you fear. You can't just say I'm fearful. You have to, if you're fearful of failure, you have to realize failure is, is a good thing. As mm. Most people look at failure and they say, oh, that's, you can't fail. I can't fail. I got to make it. I got to win. But failure without failure, you don't learn. You don't learn to make more audacious goals without failure and knowing, oh, okay, this worked. This didn't work. I need to change this or I can make this a little bit. Without failure, you can't learn. You can't right. Learn. You so before we move on, what does audacious mean? <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. I was like, Ooh. my brother, I believe it's uh, rooted from the word audacity. Oh, oh, damn! You got the oh wow. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like the way that yeah. sound. You, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got it. You know, got onto the root word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. got to, bro. I don't know what's happening around. Gotta start using my context clues. I just having them out the source one time. You know what I'm saying? There's a point I actually want to touch on. Go ahead. You may mention you said you feel like first you gotta acknowledge what it is that you fear. And I feel like oftentimes we try to find ourselves in a position where we ignore the fear and try and forge a way to success first. Like why do you feel like that's so important to like acknowledge the fear before moving forward? Hmm, let me think about that. Let me think about that. I think because if you don't identify what it is that you fear, you never know what you're running away from. And then when you identify it, you can say, okay, what I'm fearing, is it real? Is it a real fear? Is it something that's really going to harm me or stop me from achieving what it is that I want to achieve? Mm. I like that. I love that man. So I wanna, uh, I wanna make a, I wanna take a, like a slight, a slight, a slight left or a right. Maybe it should be a right because right is a more positive word, I think. Because left is like, you know what I'm saying? Does it? Because right also means like right in like life. You feel me? That's true. That's true. You know what I'm saying? And, snap, uh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so so let's let's talk a little bit about you know your story, bro. So, um, take me back to how you first got into entertainment. Um. Uh, can we I'm, start? My yeah, bad. Can yeah, we yeah. start with what you do and then go back? If you want to, bro. I mean, I know. I, I, I know. I was say, you know. I know. I don't. I don't. You don't. So yeah, go for it. Go for it. Maybe I should have set all that up in like the beginning. I didn't. But no, whatever. It's cool. Like, tell us what you do and where you are now, and then take us back. Okay. Okay. Right now, I'm an executive assistant to a showrunner and a producer named Salim Kill, and I work at a Kill Productions. And Kill right Production. now we have uh, two shows, Love Is, uh, that comes on the OWN Network, and then we have Black Lightning that comes on the CW Network. Um, and, and, and for those that don't know, because you're being mad modest right now, so um, Mara, <laughs> Mara Kill is Mara the creator. Kill. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Mara Brocka Kill. Right, she's the creator of Girlfriends, Girlfriend, of The Game. The Game, Being Mary Jane. Yeah. Oh, uh, snap. Yeah. Like, uh, both of them, Jump in the Broom, the remake of Sparkle. Yeah, that yeah. You talking about Nuri, the real Nuri in real life? Yeah, the yeah, real, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah and then uh, Salim, can you can yeah, you break? Salim McKill, yeah, yeah. Husband and wife. So love mm -hmm. is is based on their their story and right. their journey, how they met. 
It's a wonderful both, show. Uh, showrunners, executive producers, directors, very talented and very. So what you're saying is, as the executive assistant to, to, to their production company, you're working hand in hand with them, right. day-to-day operations, the whole. Yeah, I'm right under them. So I'm soaking in everything that they know. I'm learning everything that they learn. I'm, I'm doing everything under them. So yeah. yeah. So, Amy, so you can also probably say, like, they're the head coach and GM and all of that of the football team, and you like the quarterback in a sense. In, in some sense. ways, right? Yeah. You, you, sense, you own yeah. the calling plays, and you're executing them in a, in a sense, making stuff happen. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I run the logistics of what needs to happen, what they need to give answers to, what the, where they need to be, what's what's happening, keeping up with what the latest trends are, what people, what artists, what actors are still relevant, what actors, mm. you know, what bring, uh, you know, recognizable so familiar face to the show to attract you know more a more bigger audience so in a, in a way you're like an extra pair of eyes for them so as they're scouting shows or like you know looking for looking for scripts looking for actors you know for these scripts or whatever the case is you know your opinions can help kind of direct them in a way because they don't have as much time to keep up with what's going on in the world as you know they may they may like because they're, they're you know dealing with so much and developing so many different shows they're kind of in their bubble no exactly yeah i make i make their lives easier so they can still create yeah i look at everything and i say hey, this is gonna bump you you're not gonna like this they're messing this is not happening this hasn't happened and then while they're creating i'm, I'm catching everything that so wait wait do scripts come to you too yeah, I see how it's good. That was about to ask that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I've never asked you that question. So when people like are, are like if, if there's if there's a pile of scripts on their desk, you're the one reading them first. Yeah, yeah. Most and reading yeah. and reading through like, the. There's a few scripts that Salim has right now that I I get first and I read and I, I do overviews. I so do they gotta they gotta get through you first before he's gonna spend any time on it. Yeah, yeah. So you'd be like, yo, Salim, yo, this is you need to check this one you out. You need to read this. One. Wow. Yeah. You need yeah. to, you need wow. to see this short. You need to see. Yeah. 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 That's hard, that's, bro. That's what I'm there for. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start at the beginning, so, man. <laughs> <laughs> let's start at the beginning. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll start at the beginning. Um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, very, very uh, nice place, but yeah. uh, at the same time, culturally, the time I was coming up, it was nothing but a lot of gang banging, a lot of killing, murders, a lot of those type of things. I went to uh, a school uh, that I didn't really like. It was on the verge. That's where Nelly from, right? Yeah, yeah. Saint Louis. Yeah. Nelly, Chingy, Jaquan. Chingy, Chingy. Bro, he just said Chingy, dog. Chingy. Yeah. Bro, he did some dumb stuff recently on uh really He's on social around. media. I Chingy. guess. Oh, was he? He was on a TV show or something lately. Oh, yeah. was that Chingy? No, no, no. It was a video. He was talking about. Um, <laughs> Something about the world. It was like the world flat. I don't know what he was talking about. It was wild, bro. And it was like, bro, why are you even talking right now, dog? (laughs) So this is back to Cheney because it's hot in here. Wait, that wasn't (laughs) him. That was Nelly. That was Nelly, bro. Uh, Never mind. Uh, So you grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I dropped out of high school. Wait, myself. what? Yeah, I dropped out of high school. He said age? that so casually. He said, yeah. yeah, I dropped out of high school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he said, like, he, like, bro, I bought my car when I was 16. Wait, you dropped out what? I dropped out my sophomore year. Sophomore year? Sophomore year. But you were 15. 15. Wait, wait, wait. How did, how, like, bring, how? Uh, you say you dropped out and got your DVD. Yeah, well, but, like, one, I, I'm not, I, one, I, I'm not a, I'm not a book learner. I'm hands-on. I, I yeah. love being in the mix. That's how I learn best. I didn't like going to school. My school was on the verge of becoming over credit, undercredited. 
Oh, really? And, yeah. And uh, just tons of fights at school every day. Police in the halls spraying mace because fights and things like that. Oh, man. That's not, I couldn't relate to that. I'm, I'm different, you know, yeah. different. And so I, I dropped out, dropped out, got my GED in a month. I worked at Macy's for a few months, saved up some money, and got into the Art Institute of Atlanta. Really? Yeah, at 17. At 17. So you, so you dropped out. Wow. And at what age did you go back and get your GED? Uh, when, after I dropped out. So immediately after you dropped out. Yeah. So, so you, okay, so. I mean, I know dropped out is the only way to say it, but it, that's almost not even the right word because it wasn't like you dropped out without a plan. Most people drop out and it's just like, yo, no, no, it wasn't done. like I just dropped out and was like, you just, didn't have a plan. I had a plan. I you knew, just said, I'm not going to do it here. I knew dropping out didn't mean I was dumb. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I still knew. Dang. I knew that I was capable of doing a lot of things. So I was like, I know I'm smart. I yeah. Got my GED in a month. I don't want to waste no more time. Why, why, why stick in a school that's on the verge of becoming unaccredited, fights, teachers that don't it. care? Bro, when you I, said you said you knew you wasn't dumb. You knew that that didn't. Dang, like that self awareness at fifteen. Yeah. But you know, I, I can't even tell you what I was thinking at fifteen to even know that that was an option. Like, did you have other cats around you that was doing that or taking that route? No. Like, no. I, everyone, at least everyone in my family and everyone around me was graduating, wow. graduating and doing great in school. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you just knew like. There's more. Like, there's, there's more. more. Like I don't, I couldn't even tell you that I thought that was an option. Cause if I would, if somebody would just would have dropped that in my ear, I would have been like, all right, how can I do that? How can I, sh-, you know? Bro, I wish I would have thought about dropping out. Wow. Okay, so you got your GED. Yeah. You said you started working at Macy's. Yeah, at Macy's. I saved up some money. It was a merchandiser. Waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning, <sighs> scanning all the clothes, searching for what most people don't know. It's called penny items. Okay. That's an item that's been in the store for so long that. It's only value at a penny. What? And you have to pull those off the floor because if a customer finds them, they legally have to sell it to the customer. They can't say, oh, this is a penny item. We can't sell it to you. They have to sell it to you for a penny. (laughs) (laughs) But how would the customer know it's a penny? They wouldn't. They would just be like, oh, I really like this. And you go to check out and it rings up for a penny. Wow. We need to plug at Macy's. I know, for real, bro. (laughs) Wardrobe so so they're taking it off the rack so they can probably, you know, get rid of it to Marshalls or Ross or something like that, right? Yeah, I'm sure For they, more they money. trash all that stuff or send it to other, Got it. you know, like you said, Marshalls, Ross or somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Okay, cool. So we're working at Macy's. What happens next? Working at Macy's. And, oh, well, I mean, if, I, if I'm going to go there, then, I mean, growing up, I didn't have the best relationship with my family. Like, mm-hmm. I had dreads and braids, sagged my pants. Yeah. So I was a so different and such an introvert i was only doing certain thing behaviors to blend in because i didn't want anyone to mess with me like oh wow yeah so that was a so you're like a chameleon yeah that's like a defense mechanism that's not who you really are but you you put on this yeah not that i wasn't being true to who i am but if i could blend in then i would go under the radar wow because i didn't want nobody to mess with me because i i at a young age, I knew I was different. Like, I don't yeah. think like other people. I don't act like other people. And not that people don't, when people don't understand what you are, this, the first thing they, they tend to do is think you're wrong for being who you are. So they start bullying you. They start mm. talking about you because they don't understand. Mm. Yeah. They think like, you you know, you're weird. You're, you know, you're, you shouldn't be like that. Why are you like, the, you know, and yeah. I didn't like that. Got you. Blend in. Got you. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, and then so uh, it was just a point where I just was like, man, I, I got to do something different. You know, yeah. I got to do something different. And uh, I, I I cried out to God. I ain't going to lie. I cried out to God. I said, help me. Help me love my family. Help me escape. Mm. Um, I went through that. And then the next thing I knew, was something in my brain said, just start looking for colleges. So I was on the Internet. The first school that came up, Art Institute of Atlanta. Um, and I was like, oh, this is an art institute. They got film and drawing. I'm art, you know, I like doing art stuff. So I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. You know, this might be the school for me. And uh, then I applied and then they said, okay, um, you know, send us a submission, write a letter, show us some of your artwork, and then we'll go from there. Um, they got my letter and they saw my artwork and they said, oh, yeah, we really want to have you. So they, they accepted me. My mom drove me all the way to Atlanta. How long is that drive? Eight and a half hours. Oh man! Eight and a half hours. Um, we get there in the school, accepts me, and I get in. Um, didn't get approved for any loans, but then it's like, oh, we have this second chance opportunity loan. So I got that loan, and then I got into school. And second I, chance. How much is that loan? That school is expensive, so it's like it's like almost like twenty thousand a semester. The loan, the second chance opportunity loan. Yeah. Wait, is that loan still? That active? means that I mean, the loan to you know pay for school. The school is private and super. Right, right. But I mean, the loan, the loan was it like was it a Oh, it's, it's, I'm, it's I'm, like a, I'm getting that mixed up. I'm thinking it's a grant. It's not a grant. It's no, a, it's, it's, it's it. a loan, yeah. It's, it, but it's a it. second opportunity loan for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Who, who, who didn't get approved for the initial Yeah, who loans? didn't get approved okay. for the initial okay. loan? So what type of art did you do? Uh, drawing. Drawing? Like sketches of faces. Okay. But uh, I grew up uh, with my grandmother, very close to my grandmother, and she would always encourage me, write every day, write, write. I'm a writer. That's the other part I left out. I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> so I write. I'm a writer. I write poetry. I write books. I write screenplays. I write. Oh my gosh. I write everything. So you, but, and, and, and I mean, if you're allowed to talk about it, you're writing something right now, right? Uh, yeah, uh, a poetry book called Conceptions of Love. And uh, I just completed a, a TV script for our second season of Black Lightning. So make sure you watch the episode. So my, my brother was a little humble, in case y'all didn't hear, for the people in the back. Repeat that, repeat that. He's, uh, he just finished his poetry novel, and he just finished his script for Black Lightning season two. Yeah. 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 So I you write. just finished the script for Black Lightning season two. And that's a big deal. That's well, how you leave out the fact that you're a writer? That's like. Yeah, wow. that's the second part of it, but yeah. I grew up. That's amazing. And, uh, so you, you go to Art Institute of Atlanta. Yeah. You, um, you're, you're mainly doing drawing there, right? No, I'm doing digital filmmaking and video okay. production. Okay. I always knew I wanted to be in the uh, entertainment industry. I always would, you know, pretend I was. So, what else. age did you recognize that? Right, like six or seven. Really? Yeah. And did you did you like try to pursue that with your parents or whatever or? Uh, at school, like writing competitions. Okay, but you did you right. did you tell your parents about like, hey, I'm really interested in this. Can you guys help me? No, my only my grandmother. My only grandmother. Grandma. Yeah, I'm closer to my grandmother than I was my mom growing up. I mean, I. Mama's boy when I was growing up, but yeah. my grandmother was the one who instilled writing, instilled experiencing life. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't matter. Like we would always find something free to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So after Art Institute of Atlanta, you go. Um, is that you start? Did you graduate from there and finish or? Yeah, two years. Oh, got my associate's degree. Six, six, six. And uh, was just working, working, just normal jobs for a year. I got fired. I was jobless for like entire year. Yeah. Entire year. Um, and then at that point, I was like, all right, let me reevaluate my life. Let me get mm -hmm. my focus back. Let me get my life right with God. And uh, I was just doing that for a whole year, and I would keep getting job interviews. But no, no, you got the job. 
you know so yeah uh one day my father called me i don't know he was like oh you know you need to go to church and i was a little taken back because i was like man you know you you need to tell yourself that like you know <laughs> but i was like no slow down slow down this yeah. you know this might be for you so i went to uh, a church called world changers the bible study okay like, in the morning and when service was over this uh still photographer control Colbert, uh, stop it turned to me he was like what do you want to do and i was like what and he was like oh yeah i'm a still photographer work at tyler Perry studios um uh, you know, send me your resume, and I'll, I'll get. You know, I'll pass it on to the right people. Hmm. Uh, maybe and this is the first time you've been to church in how, however long. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I was at home, but I. It's in Atlanta. There's a lot of mega churches. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of mega churches. Nothing. I don't have anything against church, but when you no. Know, I mean, a, I'm just I'm just tripping off with the fact that you hadn't been to church in so long, and the first time you're back. Yeah. You you happen to meet this still photographer. Yeah. That's trippy. Yeah. You know, so I was sitting right next to me. Yeah. And I had no clue what was about to happen. But, um, yeah, I got the job at Tyler Perry Studios. He sent my resume. As a, to, uh, are you a PA? PA. Okay. I was an intern. I had to be an intern for one day. And that was just <laughs> back when I didn't have a car. And, you know, film sets, they shoot everywhere. Yeah. So I would, it was, I had to wake you up. You can't be a PA without a car. No, you can't. It's, it's hard. Right? Yeah. It's hard. And the martyr bus don't start running till about like, <laughs> <laughs> about like five a.m., six a.m. Yeah. You got to be to work till about four thirty. Yeah, morning. it was time. It was times when I, that's how bad I wanted. It was times where I would just go to wherever the film set was supposed to be the next day, and I was like, I was sleeping in hotel bathrooms, waiting till the morning to get the set. Yeah, yeah. You're was, kidding? Yeah, because the call time be like five a.m. There's no way I'm gonna catch a bus and make it to work on time. Yeah. So I would just go to go to where the film set is, find a hotel, and just sleep in the bathroom. You know. I would go there late enough where I only have to sleep, you know, like two or three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's set. I was intern, intern for like one day, and then I was like, oh, we want to hire you full time. You know, that was on for Color Girls. Okay. Yeah, that okay. was back in like 2009. Yeah. Yeah, like late wow. 2009. And, uh, and you know, the, I got to stop for a second because the crazy thing is uh, there was a girl there named Kia Perry, and she mm -hmm. was uh, on her way to be assistant to uh, Paula Patton for this movie called Jumping the Broom. Mm. And it's funny because I read that yeah, yeah. script and I had no idea Paula later. Patton, Robin Thicke's ex-wife, right? Yeah, yeah, Actress, Rob, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I had no clue later that I would end up with the people that wrote that script. Oh, really? That's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that, bro, that's yeah. the foreshadow I'll be talking that's about. Crazy, right? so, I talk, so I don't know if I haven't talked about this on the podcast, but I'm a, I'm a strong believer in foreshadowing and what, actually you're a writer, describe foreshadowing for the people real quick. Uh, it's a, a glimpse or uh, early prediction into the outcome of someone's journey or something that's about to happen in the story. I had no Why idea he was like gonna be that articulate at, at that. <laughs> but I'm so glad I did that. What are you doing? It's my foreshadowing right now. Summons it out of him, bro. He just boom, boom. So, so I believe that that happens in, in film and television a lot. You'll see something like a location or characters or whatever the case is, or things that may happen later in the in, in, in the script. Or in the, in, the, in the show that you're watching, you see a glimpse of that early on in the in the story that you're 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 reading or watching or what or however you're taking in the story, right? But I believe that that happens in our lives a lot. Um, there's so many times we sit and talk, you know, me and Tarek, you mean homies in, in general, and I'm like, yo, man, this is crazy that I'm working for these people, like Melissa McCarthy. My first job as a as a medic, I was working on uh, on uh, the boss. It was Peter Dinklage, I think, mm -hmm. Melissa McCarthy, and um, some other folks, right? 
And the first time that I had speaking lines in a feature film was with Melissa McCarthy, right? So I'm a strong believer in foreshadowing yeah, wow. people's lives. That's one of many examples yeah. of, please go ahead. I just got super excited for wow. no reason, my best. That's, wow. Yeah. You had no idea you would end up with the writers of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I worked at uh, Tyler Perry Studios for about three or four years. Got my feet wet. Uh, many different positions. I was PA. Well, well, well. Before that, you so you, you know so uh, before that you were talking about um, how you're gonna set. You had to sleep in the bathrooms and all that yeah. all that jazz. And when did that change for you? Uh, it didn't change until maybe like a year later. Really? Yeah. So you do you are gone like, like that for a year? Two later, yeah. So I'm at that point. Then I, I got you know. I, became with friends with more people so they get rides or oh, call okay, times okay. will be later and I can make it, you know, make it to work. And then at one point it, it transitioned into us filming the T V shows. Those normally don't start till like nine AM, ten okay. AM. So that it's easy to get on the Martin bus and get to where you need to be. Gotcha. So just for a little bit more context, a PA is a production, production assistant. Production assistant, yeah. Right. So, so what what type of like what uh production assistant on set, set PA. Um, they work under the assistant director's uh department and basically a production assistant helps keep the flow of the production day going like they they're supposed to know who who job it is to make sure the lights are working or make sure that um the props are there like the you know the actors they drink glasses they eat plates of food like that's the prop department so pa is supposed to know everybody and what they do and how to make the flow of the day continue to progress so that the crew how, how to them. find them they're responsible for lockups so lock up <clears> if too. they're filming let's say um they're filming at a starbucks you might see a pa on the corner you know locking up to make sure pedestrians don't walk by into the shot because you can't match if a pedestrian is walking by the back of a frame or maybe you have police and they're communicating with the police officer to stop traffic so only picture cards can drive down if you're shooting a movie and it's a time piece a you know, period piece rather and let's say it's the 50s, you can't have a 2011 Dodge Charger drive through. So the police might be locking up traffic and they'll be coordinating with the police and other departments and locations who's responsible for. But so you gotta know every department, know who everybody everything. is, where they at, how to get to them, and y'all the first people to get yelled gotta, at when something yeah. go wrong. And you gotta know how to articulate what needs to be articulated to them. You yeah. articulate the wrong thing and it mess up the whole day. Yeah. Man, it's not a good look. That's a lot of that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot. And it's a lot of running around. And it's a hard job to get, right? It's 12, 14 hours a day. It's very hard to get because yeah. uh uh in the industry a lot of people hire their friends, mm. family members. Because that's like your foot in the yeah. door. Yeah, it's like your foot on the door. There's it's not like a well, normal that's nepotism, right? Ain't it? Yeah, yeah, when you hire with, yeah, it's a lot of, yeah, that's a good word. It's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. It's not like a nine to five. You get to submit your resume, fill in an application, and you're going through a process. You got to know the right person. Yeah, you got to know somebody. And this is through you got this position because you went to church that day and happened to sit by the photographer who was at the studio already. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, so, so you're 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 a PA at Tyler Perry Studio. So, at what point do you get a car? I didn't get a car until maybe 2011, I want to say. And my first car, it came by uh, a guy named Chris Bush. He was in the props department. He bought a new car. And he was like, oh, Jamon, you can just have it. You can have this car. Gave just me, gave you a gave car. Gave me my first car. And uh, Alta uh, Integra, Acura Integra. So did he know your struggle? Did he know like what you were no, going he, through and things like that? No or clue. Did anybody know? No. no. So you was... Hold on. So you was, you said at one point you were sleeping in a hotel restroom, just finding ways to just 
get to work on time because you were you wanted it that much. But in that process, it wasn't like you were airing out like, yo, this is what I'm doing to get here. You had no. to allow your work. Yeah, I kept it to myself. Dang. The work. Bro, that's like the did. definition of humility, bro. Bro. Because I, I just feel, yeah, that's, that's amazing, bro. That's amazing. Yeah, so I didn't get a car until then. Yeah, the, the four years I was at Tyler Perry, I was a uh, writer's assistant when he had a writer's room. Oh, uh, his script coordinator uh, on the plays when we tried. I didn't on know the you road. did all of that. Wait, whoa, yeah. whoa. So, so you're a PA for how many years? Uh, off and on, it's off, off and, and on, on throughout. So, the but whole. after after about two years, right, is when when the the props guy gave you the car. Yeah. Man. And then at what point do you do you move? So, so, so walk me through each step that you moved up, right? So you went to from PA to what? It just depends on whatever. Uh, he was shooting it. Also, oh, is this whatever the need was at the time? Yeah, so if he's that. filming a movie, then set PA. If he's filming a TV show, then I'm a key set PA. I'm running mm. that, uh, you know, for uh, those type of sitcom TV shows, it's four cam set up, and there's a main main floor that the cameras and the film crew move up and down for each set that's, that's needed for the script. Yeah. So that... And then if we're not doing TV shows, then he's doing a play, he's traveling on a the road, then he's got to have rehearsals, he's got to have a script coordinator because he's constantly changing lines. I see. So I'm traveling on the road as script coordinator, writer's assistant for House of Pain when he had a writer's room. So, and then after that, all that went away and then it was just back to set PA. Got it. I didn't even know you, I didn't know you did all that with Tyler yeah. Perry. So you worked pretty close with him? Yeah. Y'all yeah. still keep in touch? No. No? I mean, I'm. Not that close, like personal contact, but I mean, yeah, but you know my face. But you, but you yeah. definitely, you know. Yeah, we would know each other if we saw each other. Piece of machine. Yeah, yeah. Got you, got yeah. you, got you. Yeah. So okay, so what I was what I was wondering is, if did, you, did you work anywhere near as close to him as you do with the Kill Productions? But that then that no, answers no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, answers no. Got you. So after that, so when do you when did you get out of working for Tyler? Work, well, not working. We're working for Tyler Perry's Productions. When did you like start branching out to other things? Um. Uh, a friend reached out to me and asked me if I was available to work, and it was for this movie called Triple Nine. It's a John mm-hmm. Hillcoat movie, uh, big cast: uh, Casey Affleck, uh, Chiwetel, mm-hmm. uh, um, a lot of people. I think Aaron Paul was in yeah, that. Aaron uh, Paul, Idris uh, Elba. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Anthony Mackie. Yeah, Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Good brother, right there. Yeah, I, I know he's dope, bro. Yeah. I like Anthony. Uh, and I was only supposed to day play on that. A day player. For those that don't know, it's a day player. Someone that's brought in for one particular day or two days because it's a particular big day and they need more bodies to cover the set. So I was only supposed to be day playing for like a day or two, and I ended up working full time on a movie. And then after that, just people would keep calling me, "Hey, you available?" And it just turned into more gigs, yeah, full time gigs. And that's ultimately how I ended up at Baby Driver. Got you. Yeah, working with because if you if you work really good and the assistant directors like you have a first AD you have a second AD you have a second second assistant director when they find good production assistants they tend to keep them they want the same team because they know your work ethic they know you're gonna kill the job so yeah so just turn into one job will turn into more jobs because I'm falling under the same team of people so it's all about relationships all about relationships so how much did you have the politic and just make sure that you're not offending anybody, even if they're wrong you or whatever the case is. How much? How many times did you have to like just throw on a fake smile, just to make sure your name is still good in these streets? One hundred percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be every day, brother. That'd be every every single day. Yeah. Like I said, that's that's not many of us in this industry. Yeah. And people people feel like I can treat you anyway because yeah, you know, 
bro, I was on uh, I was on First Man, bro, and um, you know, for those of you that have seen my face, I look fairly young, and because of, of how I look, a lot of people mistake me for PAs, you know, when I work as a medic on set. So I remember one day we're at we're like somewhere deep, I think we're at Georgia Power, you know, facility like a couple hours south of Atlanta, and uh, I'm walking and I don't have my helmet on, and this locations manager walks up or drives up. And he uh, just starts barking at me. He's like, hey, man, you got to wear your helmet out here, man, or uh, we're going to kick you off the set. I, and I'm, I looked, and I'm like, all right, for sure, man. And then he's, uh, he's like, man, what department are you with? I said, uh, I said, don't worry about it, man. He said, don't worry about it. What, what, what department? I want to talk to your, uh, your uh, <laughs> like, whoever my key was, right? And I'm like, dog, I said, don't worry about it, man. You talk to whoever you want to talk to, man. You want to kick me off, man, kick me off, bro. And I kept pushing, right? So then later on, he finds out that I'm the, I'm the set medic, you know, which is, you know, at times can be a key position. I don't, I don't think I was key on that particular project, but, you know, it's a very, like, you know, I'm making more money than him, for lack of a better, you know what I mean? You, you know, you don't want to offend, you know, um, people in key positions or whatever the case is. That can be a problem depending on their relationships that they have, right? So after he found out, he approaches me. He's like, hey, man, uh, my bad. I thought you was a PA, man. Uh, you know, because there's a lot of PAs out here, man, they just be, you know, doing whatever they want, blah, blah, blah. I said, dog, it don't even matter what you thought I was, dude. Like, whether I was a PA or not, there's still a level of respect that you speak to somebody with. But you may, that makes it 10 times worse that because you thought I was working under a different position, you could just talk any, any, any kind of way you want to talk. But I didn't say that to illustrate, you know, there's a lot of times where you guys are, like, just mishandled and mistreated based on your positions. Yeah, especially when you're, you're the token black PA. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, yeah. you're the... The industry has this thing, diversity, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of times diversity doesn't, diverse doesn't mean black, it can mean Puerto Rican, it can mean Mexican, it can mean Asian, yeah. it can mean disabled, it can mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're, you're in that particular uh, position, people look at you like you, they don't respect you because they feel like you're only there because of that particular reason. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So... To fast forward a bit, uh, what was your last job as a PA? Was it Baby Driver? Or did you no? You did uh, you did uh, the the um, Vampire Diaries. Vampire Diaries? No, uh, Black Panther. Second unit of Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Black Panther's the last. Yeah. And then so walk me through the process. How, like how did you get over to a Kill Productions? Um, I was on set of Black Panther, and this uh, French pro- uh, producer named Pascal kept calling me, blowing me yeah, up, yeah, blowing yeah. me up. Like, I got this job. I want you to take this job. And at the time, I was like, oh, I'm on, about to be one of the hottest movies of the year, Black Panther. I don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm right. good. Right. The Negro Coalition, <laughs> man. I got I to talk to my people, man. I don't know if I can. Exactly. But he kept calling. And eventually, I said yes. And I met with uh, Salima Kill. maybe like two seconds. He was but like, you turned it down at first, right? Mm, I told them no at first. and But then they stepped they kept calling. Really? They kept calling, so I was like, all right. How many times did you turn them down? Maybe like twice. Really? Yeah. Were you trying to drive down with the Kill Productions twice? Did, did you already have experience working with them? No, I didn't even know what I didn't know what it was for. They kept oh. just saying, we have this job we want okay. you to take. We have this job we want you to take. Yeah. And I was like, knowing <laughs> what I know from working with them on Vampire Diaries, I was like, this can't be, it can't be better than Black Panther right Got now. Got it. So I kept saying no, but then they kept calling. And how much interaction did you have with Pascal? Like, did he know you like that? Or yeah, he he liked me a lot. Cause also, but you, so you were aware of how he felt about you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, 
he took a special liking to me. Like he saw something in me. He was like, yeah, you're gonna. And he let you know that. Yeah, he. Oh, that's dope. That, yeah. The thing is, people watch you. People, yeah, yeah. you never know who's watching you. Yeah, like I don't do things intentional to get people's attention, but people watch you. Yeah, and they notice. Then he noticed the way I treat people on set, the way I work, and he just so chill, chill, chill. You saying if, if if I go to work, put my head down, do my job, and be nice and respectful to people, I'm gonna get opportunities. Yeah, you will. People, because people watch that. People notice that. No way. Yeah. No way. How does that work? How does that work? <laughs> what? So he's called and you turned the job down twice. Yep. And then uh, he called again and I said, sure. I said, well, I didn't say sure. I said, I would at least come in and meet meet with the guy and, and see and then decide then. And, and were they in Atlanta at the time or you had to travel? In Atlanta. Okay, cool, cool. In cool. Atlanta. And uh, I met with Salima Kill. And he said that he needed assistant and uh, and asked me if I wanted the job. And I said, yeah. I was only supposed to work for him for a month because we were doing the pilot presentation for Stop. Black Lightning. Yeah. It was only a month, just a month. I only worked with him for a month. And when we were done, he was like, what are you doing next? And I was like, nothing. And he was like, well, I want you to come back to L.A. and work for me. Whoa. So how important would you say it is to – because that's a risk, dog. You're on Black, you're on black, uh, black Panther. And – you have a staff position. You're full time on that show. You know that by leaving this show can potentially harm your chances of working with this production again. The, that team of ads. Right. Yeah. And you took that risk to work for a month. For a month. Yeah. Right. So you knew it was going to be a month out there. Like before you accepted, you knew it would only be a month. Yeah. Even though you knew that you had a full time position, as Tony's saying, with Black Panther. Yeah. What made you? decide to take that risk knowing that it was only going to be for a month like because after that month would it have been possible for you to go back to the staff of black panther i think it would have okay. i think it would have but i i felt something and i had to trust what i felt you know mm. you, you when you i felt i was where i was supposed to be like i felt like all this wasn't happening for any reason like things just don't happen for no reason mm. the, they're persistent to keep calling me and calling right. me it meant something. Like I think he, he probably, Pascal probably knew what was happening too. Probably did. And I think Akil may have known. He just didn't want to tell you out the gate so you didn't get comfortable. Probably knew too. But That's crazy. Yeah, Go ahead. It was great. It was, I worked for him for a month. Asked me to move back to LA to come work for him. I was, I stayed in Georgia for maybe another two months. And at that point, I was like, man, you know, maybe this is not about to happen. Yeah. But then I got the call to come out in May. I went out May last year. Bro, and I, bro, I, I don't know if I told you then, but I'm going to tell you now, bro. I thought you was crazy moving to L.A. Oh, yeah. Oh, dead ass, bro. Because I'm like, bro, so much is happening. Tony hates L.A. I love L.A., bro. No. I might come back shit while you playing. But there's so much happening in Atlanta right now. Like, I was like, bro, it's, it's crazy to leave, you know, the film industry down here right now for any reason. There's so much happening. Because a lot of, like, a lot of actors I know are leaving to go to L.A., um, when they haven't really took advantage of the market in, in Atlanta fully. But, you know, so even when you made that move, did you know you were, you were good at that point, or is it still a risk? Of yeah, because a lot of people would say that to me. Why you, you know, everything's here in Atlanta. Why are you going to LA? Bro, I probably told you that. But, um, in other I've, words, don't listen to me if I'm yeah, your friend. Yeah. <laughs> don't listen but to me. But I've always, I've always had this feeling I'd rather be in LA and flown back to Atlanta than be yeah. in Atlanta trying to get to LA. Because yeah. LA will always be LA. All the creative will be here no matter what. Yeah. You know? So just, just as background, because I know Tony's told me about this so much, just like how all the shoots and all, like everything's been shot in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Something to do with like taxes and yeah. the business side yeah, of Yeah, the tax incentive. 
Texas Center. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So LA, LA. Sorry. Uh, excuse me. Atlanta has a thirty percent tax credit. Um, and Atlanta's not the only place with a tax credit. I believe Toronto has a tax credit. I'm not sure what it is. I know for a while Louisiana, New Orleans had the tax credit, and North Carolina. North Carolina screwed themselves when they did this whole um, uh, the restroom ban. Um, when that was going down, they had an incentive, and literally people that did not believe in in what they had going on at the time, you know, um, and how, how they were treating, you know, the LGBTQ um, plus community. I think that's the plus, right? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. But, the, you know, you guys know what I'm saying. The LGBTQ community, yeah. how they were treating that community, a lot of people didn't agree with that. So they said, you know what, you know, if y'all can't show us love and respect, we're not filming here. And they dipped. So New Orleans, they just didn't renew their credit, right? Yeah. They just, like, stopped doing it. And Atlanta, you know, just kept theirs up, you know. Yeah. And, and they get a, you get a 30% tax credit. So if you, Tarek Ross, go to Atlanta and you want to shoot a movie for $100 million, that means when you file your taxes or whatever, whatever, you're going to get $30 million back. Got it. Right? Got it. If you film in L.A. for $100 million, you're going to spend $100 million in L.A. You're going to spend $100 million in Houston or wherever, but in Atlanta, you're only going to spend $70 million at the end of the day, mm. you know, for what you film. So Marvel has, like, pretty much set roots in Atlanta, you know, for the most part. All of the writing for a lot of these shows, I believe Love Is is written in L.A. too, right? Yeah. Love Is, Greenleaf, Queen Sugar, you know, a lot of these shows. It's written in L.A. It's written in So yeah. the writers are here in, in, in L.A. Right. You know, right. yes, yes. For yes, your, for yes, those of you, yes. we're recording it late right now. Yeah, yeah, but the writers yeah. are here in LA, but the filming is actually happening in um, that other territory in Atlanta. So Jaman, when his episode films, they're gonna fly him out, put him up to right. go be on set while he's filming, while his episode is filming. Got it. And that's just the way it works. All this, everything starts in LA. Yes. All of the agencies are here: creative artists, WME. You know, innovative. Everybody's here. Yeah. They have offices in LA and New York, but everything starts here. And New York is still second to LA when it comes to the actual pre-production, the creative phase. Of yeah. It, you know. So, Jamal, so you you mentioned, you said LA is always going to like house the creatives. So, in you making the decision to come to LA, even with all you know, like the the pushback from people around you, just felt like, nah, you shouldn't. Everything's kind of staying here in Atlanta. Were you moving with the understanding of like? Whatever it is, like your dreams and ambitions for yourself, like as a writer, I don't want to miss title yeah. everything that you got going on. But like, what, 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 where were you in that space? Um, in that space, I, I knew I was headed to where I was supposed to be. Um, I wasn't, and, and you know, I, I was homeless for like almost two years, so I didn't have any fear of like going to a place and not knowing where to go. I, I know how to survive. Oh wow. <sighs> So I didn't Stop. have that. Stop. I didn't, I didn't, have, I didn't have that fear. So you said, yo, 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 go ahead, T. Go ahead. No, no, you go, you go, so you, you go. saying that, 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 oh, my God. You're saying that, that your homelessness prepared you for, for the grind. Yeah. He said he didn't have the fear. That fear did not exist. Because of that experience. Because of that experience. What is that bar from Will Smith? He said the point of maximum. He said, he said, he said the point of maximum. Um, danger? No, 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 no. It's, it was a positive word there. The point at the at the point of maximum like success. No, I think it's danger or risk. Is the point of like minimum fear? It's or a risk. Everything. Er, I, oh, hold on. We gotta find that. We gotta find that. Oh man, that's wild, bro. That's wild. It's coming up right now, people. Please, please, you please, please, bear with me. Because you had been homeless, you had no fear to come to L.A. That's deep. We're gonna take a pause right there to find this quote. Fly 
Is that the yeah? yeah. On the other side Here we go. Right before that. Here we go. Best things in life on the other side of terror. On the other side of your maximum fear are all of the best things in life. There it is. God placed the best things in life on the other side of fear. On the other side. So at the maximum point of danger, that's when fear. You like, know, because the whole skydiving thing you were talking about, mm-hmm. and you know, if you watch the Will Smith stuff on skydiving, he was saying that that fear is present up until like, you know, the point of maximum danger, and then once you hit that, you know, once you hit that threshold, and that fear just dissipates mm-hmm. from the minute then, you're standing on the edge and then of you the have plane, joy there, yeah, and then the minute you jump out, the fear is gone, and now it's like blissful. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been skydiving, so like that resonates with me. So to hear you speak about your situation and making a move, like it's. Like for me, looking in or anybody who does not know you can probably look in and be like, man, you're successful, you know, you're in this position, you're soaking up the game. But to hear that journey, I would never want to minimize that because you didn't know what it would look like today. You know what I'm saying? When you had to make that decision. So that's just Bro, because you've powerful. been, you, you've had nothing. Yeah. Right? I've so you're like, everything. bro, you, you, I, I lost everything already. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in your journey where you're like, bro, I'm afraid to lose it all because you know you can navigate out of that. You've yeah. done it already. Yeah. That's wild, dog. Exactly. You know, but you know what? When I, when I think about that, it like, this gets me excited because I think about how many people make excuses. We just talked about this a few weeks ago, T, where we're talking about, uh, that wasn't on the podcast either. So me and T were having a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And we're talking and uh, like, like he's just turned up, man. Yo, T is turned up today for, for whatever reason, right? And he goes, bro, he said, what happens if I lose my job, dog? What's going to happen? Uh, I said, I guess you, you know, and I, and I lose my apartment. Man, what's going to happen? I said, I, I guess you uh, move back to your parents' place. Exactly, bro. Exactly. That's it. And that's not that bad, bro. Yeah. Like, I have nothing to lose. Like, all of this stuff that I'm trying to keep up, having my own place, my own car, this, that, and the third, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. If I didn't have a car, I would take public transportation. You know, if I didn't have my apartment, I'm going back to my parents' place. They're not going to allow me not to, not, not to have a place to stay at. I have nothing to lose. There's no reason not to take a risk. If I got to get a job, I can find a job yeah. at a fast food joint. Yeah. Even if I make a minimum wage, that's a blessing in itself. Mm-hmm. And that's something I kind of shared, like just even traveling and seeing other people in different countries, like making probably what I would make in a day, working minimum wage, they probably make that in a month. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like our perspective of like what success is and this whole idea and concept of fear that kind of keeps us in a box is like, Extremely paralyzing, you know, so even to go back to what you said, it's like we got to be able to recognize what it is we fear to kind of address it and, and kind of keep moving forward. You know what I'm saying? So that's amazing. So, yeah, what? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, your piece. Where were we? So, like, so <laughs> you were saying, so the last yeah. one I remember is you were just saying that, you know, like, like going, move, I think move it to LA. Yeah, you don't really have fear of failings. You're like, bro, I've, I've been homeless in Atlanta before, I've made it. And I think it's harder to be homeless in Atlanta than it is LA. It's harder to be homeless. I would in say so because of the weather. If it's like mm. winter and stuff like that, like it don't get oh, that cold. I don't in, even know the weather in, in LA. LA. I, that that makes perfect sense because if you're homeless here in LA, there the weather is fine. You can there you can go to the beach if you need to. You know, yeah. there's a lot of there's more places you can rest without fear of yeah. people messing there's with you. More, there's more gyms that you and may have to shower at or something or whatever. It's a lot dangerous in uh, Atlanta, too, because people huh. break into cars more often. Yeah, that's right. Always. You you can't sleep well. You can't sleep comfortable. You have to, like, kind of sleep I'll be on alert. watch your back be on alert. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever, now that you're here in L.A., 
just a quick like sidebar like do you ever look at situations and be like man if i had to this would be a space i could go you know what i mean like be, like you're saying you, you were at a position where you didn't have anything right in, that, mm-hmm. in atlanta at the time do you ever find yourself here even though you do have stuff right um kind of resorting back to that mindset of like in the event that things were to go extremely left you would be good like do you, do you still like yeah, process I still, that I, way? Still, I still feel that way if i had to wow. if i if I, like, if I, you know, my, my job's not guaranteed. If I was, if Celine was to get tired of me and fire me, I, I still would feel fine. I still would have a go, my, my survival would kick right, kick right in. I'm going to go get a gym membership. You know how to survive. I you would, know how to survive. Yeah. Bro, two points, two points. One, Damien John's book, The Power of Broke. Yeah. That's what he speaks about. Mm-hmm. You know, when you kind of get in your first, like, it's your album, it's a book. The first one has all your heart, all your struggle, everything. Mm-hmm. And then people lose that very drive an initiative because they've tasted success so that energy doesn't go into the sophomore project mm. that album is probably not going to hit as much uh that book isn't going to be as good because you don't you've lost that that drive but he talked about the individuals who are able to sustain are the ones who never lose that quote-unquote broke mentality and that's just the power of broke being able to know what that's like even in mark manson's um the like, subtle art of not giving a fuck the subtle art of not giving a fuck like he speaks about well, what's the point? He he talks about really, really. I mean, ultimately, not caring, not caring as much, and understanding like perception and maintaining this image. When you kind of stop caring about that, and you recognize all this stuff is like fleeting, like it can go and not be mm-hmm. here. Is the point in which you become successful? But when you start stressing over the fact that you don't have enough money. You don't have the right job. You don't have the right car. You don't have the right clothes. You don't have all these things. You're constantly putting yourself in a state to recognize your your deficits. Mm. But when you're in a position where you recognize that you're intact and that you know how to survive, is essentially the point at which you're able to be successful because you're not overworking and trying to get these things that essentially would never bring you that contentment that you need. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. But see, that's and that's a I guess a privilege to to. Our struggle that you know we as minorities sometimes face, like the fact that I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment um, in Inglewood, California, where me and my mother shared a room and all this kind of jazz. It's like I was thinking about it myself with as it pertains to acting, because bro, nothing I do is guaranteed either. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I took a lot of risk. Like, I missed out on a job. I talked about this on another podcast. I missed out on a job this year that I needed, you know, because of of my work on Greenleaf. You know, the producer, uh, the, uh, sorry, not the producer, the uh, construction coordinator didn't hire me back the next the next uh next movie he had you know so i was in a position where i was like man like you know i may lose everything that i've built and everything that i'm i'm uh working towards for acting you know like shit what if i can't you know afford my apartment anymore and i can't provide for my daughter you know and and look out for my mom's the way that i've been you know because she's looking out for me what if i can't do that anymore you know, but then I just realized that, oh, well, my mom would just, just go stay here and my daughter would stay with her mom and I would have to figure it out and stay on the couch somewhere, but I'll be good. Yeah. Like, I have my health. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'll be able to still navigate and do what I do. Like, I mean, at that point, if anything, I'll be free because now I don't have to worry about this car. No, I don't have to worry about this, this rent, whatever the case is. I'm, I'm just free to, to pursue my dreams. And I was talking to my, my homegirl, uh, Catrice, about this the other day where uh, she asked me some question about like what's next or whatever the case is or if I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I get scared anymore, if I'm afraid of like, you know, the process. And I said, dog, like to be real with you, like I may not be here tomorrow. 
You know, like tomorrow's not promised. I'm, I may not get tomorrow, so I'm not really tripping. Like it is what it is. I'm gonna I'm I'm do what I gotta do to uh, pursue my dreams. But because because I know I just may not be here tomorrow, and there's so many things that can keep me away from my dreams, natural causes. I'm not worried about it. So anyway, that's dope. Yo, man. no, that's dope. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you, we want, and you can't want everything. You can't inherit everything you're supposed to have right away. Yeah, you're supposed to manage well what you have currently in your life, and when you manage those things well, you move on. You inherit more, and then yeah. you manage that well, and then you, you gain more. I think too many people want to uh, inherit thing, everything, all at once. Mm-hmm. Like even now, like it's it's. It's hard to find good workers because everyone ha- has this mentality that they want to be on top. They want to be on top. I'm this valuable and this is what I'm worth, but they don't want to. They don't want to prove their value through the work ethic. Yeah, you, know? you don't get there otherwise. No, no, you you, you can't develop a work ethic until you like you know start at the bottom. Yeah. Literally, exactly. You can't appreciate it. So you move to LA. You don't really know what's gonna happen. You're not. You don't have fear at this point because you've already been. You've already not had it, right? So. After this month of working on Black Lightning, was it immediate that you end up getting the position you're at now? Uh, no, I was. I mean, yeah, I knew. I knew he. I had the job, mm-hmm. but I just didn't know exactly when I was going to start. Got you. And I was, so it was about maybe two months before oh, he finally was like, "All right, I want you to come down to LA now." Yeah, so it was like two months. And were you unemployed for that two months? You know, I don't. I, honestly, I don't even remember what I was doing for those two months. But listen, for for those, I don't know. I, this happened to me this year. Two months <laughs> is a long time not to know where your next check is coming <laughs> if you've right. never been there before. Yeah. So, I don't give a damn what nobody said. Yeah, like so, you worked for him for a month. Oh, you know, you know. I, now that I remember it, I, I just I stayed at home. My um, parents had moved to Georgia. <clears throat> my parents moved to Georgia. I moved. I moved out of my roommate. We moved out of the apartment I would have with roommates. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Moved back in with my folks and stayed yeah. there. With them, gotcha. I wasn't working. I was just was at home, just sitting still, waiting, because I knew it was coming. So, you were working for a month. Then he said, "Yo, what are you doing?" Like you said, you don't got nothing. He said, "I want you to come to L.A." Conversation's over, and you're waiting for two months before you even come to L.A. Yeah. In those two months, you're not working. Did you follow up with him? Did you send emails? Did you call him like, hey, what's going on? What's the latest? No, I, I didn't at all. And in between, they sent me a, a script to a proof, that, and that was it. And then I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel like I was rushing him. I, I felt confident this was, this was for you. This was for me. Nobody could. Did you like? You didn't, did you even think? I mean, you said you knew that it was for you. Like, I just think in that situation, you'd be like, dang, did he find somebody else in L.A.? Like, my mind would have been going places. Like, what's going on mm. in that time? Like, maybe he doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe I'm not hungry enough. Or maybe this, maybe that. But you had confidence in the fact that this was for you. Yeah. I had a woman that told me I was going I was gonna move to L.A. So when it started orchestrating and I started seeing it, I was like, okay, this must be it. Yeah. So I, in that, I, I had mm. confidence. And again, cause I, I remember you telling me a little bit about this. This was that woman that spoke into your life and just yeah. pretty much like. Yeah, I would, have to, I would have to go to the laundromat to wash my clothes. You know, I'm living on my car so you know I go to the laundromat and wash my clothes this uh, older woman walked in and for some reason I just felt compelled to like just be nice to her bless her you know and I paid for her um, clothes and showed her how to use the washing machine because she didn't she was having trouble and then she sat down next to me and she she prophesied my whole life to me she I was I'm married and divorced I was married and divorced and she she told me what I was going through and she told me that uh, um, she saw LA connection 
was gonna go to LA. She she prophesied my whole life to me. And everything she prophesied lined up with what I had dreamed for myself. So so there are people listening now that's that's doubting what you're saying. So talk about the other things that that were prophesied that came to fruition so far. Um well she's the LA connection, that's the one that's happened so far. But uh-huh. she she said that she also, you know, was gonna see me. She saw me on TV, she said I was gonna you know, be married and have a beautiful family, a big house. Um, but the other things that she did prophesize that was true was that she, I never said anything about being married or being like going through a divorce. And she, she talked, she, she knew who my wife was. She described her perfectly. She knew exactly who her family was. She knew exactly. And by you mean, by, by, by she knew who they were like uh, personality wise? She saw them in her in her spirit. She saw she saw. But she wasn't like naming them. She doesn't okay. really know them. But in her speaking spirit, to you, yeah. she is letting you know she's painting that who picture. they are. Yeah, yeah. Like their energy, their spirit, their who they are. Yeah. Wow. So at what point in the story is this? Because I know like, you, this, this is uh dang what, what point in the story? Tyler Perry Studios. Uh n- no, I wasn't at Tyler Perry Studios anymore. Um. Um, so it's after Tyler Perry, but before this, Tyler before Perry. now. This is when I'm, this is, yeah, this is me in the homeless journey and working on other sets. I, but I had my car, you know, my second, okay, my first car I sold during my marriage because my wife, ex-wife's family kicked her out. We didn't have no money for real. I wasn't working at the time for real outside of a little job that was paying like 200 a week maybe. Yeah. Um, and so I sold the car out of faith. I was just like, okay, I'm selling this car. God going to give me another car. Sold the car, sent her the money so she can get in a hotel till I got back to Atlanta because we were transitioning back into Atlanta anyway because uh, Tyler Perry was about to start up again. Mm. And so I was married during the time I was working at Tyler Perry Studios and then boom, the divorce hit. But before the divorce, um, after I sold the car, Mr. Perry came to work and he was like, uh, who the hell parked on the grass out there got their car out on the grass? And everybody like, oh snap, who parked on the grass? Everybody know, <laughs> don't mess up the grass. You know, that's the that's thing. Um, but he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm giving that car away. I want y'all, and at the end of the season, I'm gonna give the car away. And so he ultimately decided to let the crew to vote who would get the car. And everyone voted for me to get the car. So. It's my second car, Ford Fusion, completely paid for, taxes paid for. Only thing I pay on my car is my car insurance. And is that the car you have now? Yeah, that's the car Crazy. I still have now. Yeah. Crazy. Like, and did people know what you were going through, or they just knew you was a good guy? And well, I think some people saw me walking to work, uh-huh. but I think, but I think that alone, I think them knowing who I was and the type of person I was also made it easy for them. Like mm. you know, they didn't have to think. Yeah. You know? Yeah, who? But yeah, but I, yeah, everyone voted for me. I won by a landslide. So, so one thing that I think is very, I want to say, congruent in in the story. Uh, I'm gonna look that word up in a moment. But is is your your integrity and your character, right? So, is, is that something that you that you develop, or is it just who Jamon is at the core of who you are? Or do you work at that to make sure that your character is where it needs to be and your integrity? Because it just seems to me that you know, because of who you are, you've been afforded so many opportunities. I think it's just naturally who I am. Okay. But growing up with my grandmother and my mother, it was just instilled. Like, it was a reminder every day, like, this is who you are. Be this way. And following okay. those examples. Yeah. Like, I grew my grandmother. She would 
make sure you smile to people, you speak to people, hold doors for women. She taught me a lot of things. Yeah. And that those things I just carried in my life because I saw the type of things, the karma that that would bring into your life, being nice to people, blessing people, treating people right. Yeah. Just it brings good things in your life, and that makes you happy. That made yeah. me happy. I didn't care about money and material things. I just care about people being nice, being respectful in conversations, and yeah. just learning the important things, you know, important things about how to be happy, how to be nice, how to be respectful, you know. And so do you have to check in at times? Like, bro, like, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I I have moments where I'm just like, yo, Tone, like, bro, you, you wildin'. Yeah. You do? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think everybody does. And what gets you back on track? Um, I would say if And I don't not, think everybody does. Some people I don't no, think are that aware. No, a lot of people aren't aware. Yeah. A lot of people are still trying to figure out who they are. So I mean, knowing who I am, I can I stop. Mm. I can stop. I, it's something I feel like in, inside of me that feels like okay, you're about to go on a down spiral, and I and I stop myself and I say, evaluate, evaluate your life, evaluate what you're at, where you're at in life, what you're doing, what what does not line up with who you are, and then I read those things and I get back on track. So is that process for you easier to rid yourself of the things that aren't in line with? who you are and what you value? It's easy because I naturally agree with them. Like I think a lot of people read, like reading the books, like The Four Agreements, that's a great book. Like that, not how to take things personal, the personal agreements that you have with yourself. I agree with what I feel like is right, like the right way to treat people, the right way to live your life. So those things I naturally already believe in. So when I have to reevaluate myself and say, this is not right, Duh, Jamal. Like, just do it. You know, just do it. Just do mm-hmm. it. So, it's it's. Do you ever struggle with like, well, maybe you know, whatever it is that you gotta do away with? Does it is is it? Is there pain associated with it? Is it difficult to do it? And you just know you just have to do it. Like, is there ever um, any hesitation in that process? I guess what I'm asking. It's only a little hesitation if I'm comfortable. Like. If I'm like, oh, I, I know I can do it, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go through this transition. Then there's a little uncomfort and a little mm-hmm. unease. But I, at the end of the day, I still know it's got to be done. Like, you got to do it. So That's discipline, homie. That's tight. That, man, right. So, oh, man, there's just so much here, man. This is great. So let's, 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 let's close up this final chapter. Um, so you moved to L.A., Black Lightning, um, you guys are filming that, mm-hmm. and you're not where you are now at that point. It's still you working on faith and moving up, right? Yeah, still, still working on faith. Just and can you walk us up that ladder that you that you went on with the Kill Productions? Um, so yeah, I got out to LA in May, and we started the writers' room for Black Lightning. Yeah, um, and then at that May point, of last year. Yeah, May of last year. Okay. Um, so I'm just I'm just still they're still getting to know me. I'm still getting to know them. Yeah, and I'm just you know. It's, Assistant to Slim, I'm doing the things that we were talking about earlier, you know, the yeah. logistics of scheduling, calls, staying on top of what's happening uh, on set. Um, people email him a lot of questions. A lot of times I flag mm. those emails and I say, hey, you need to look at this or you need to chime into this email. So I'm just doing, the, you know, the, gotcha. the natural things. And it, I, the way people tell me I, how great I am, I don't. I don't realize those things because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just being who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing 
I, I read something uh, in, in the subtle order, not giving a, giving a fuck, I think. It was talking about when, when people tell you things that, that um, conflict with your view of yourself, your personal image, whether it's good or bad, mm-hmm. we often reject those ideas and run away from them because it compromises, um, it compromises our own like, relationship with ourselves, positive or negative. You know, somebody says, Antonio, man, you're a great actor, man, you're talented, you're a star, boom, boom, boom. Those are qualities that, while they may be true or whatever, or they may, they, 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 that they may potentially be true, I would say, I don't identify with those ideas. So I reject them and they scare me because that's not who I see myself as. You know, it, it's crazy. But anyway, go ahead. No, I, I think I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, so I'm working, um, traveling back with uh, Atlanta when he directs, working on set. Yeah. Working directly under him when he directs that. Got you. He normally directs the first and, and you, last. I mean, you can't get that experience nowhere, dog, right? No, right? you can't. No, you can't. You ain't getting that in college. You're not. No, it's not the same. It's, yeah. it's totally different. It's a, a difference from learning from books and learning at school than learning first yeah you know from someone that's actually doing it because you get the, you get you see everything doing you see the stuff the happening day. behind yeah. the scene you see the stuff that's happening on the day yeah <sighs> yeah i'm learning how to problem solve a lot of what production and producing executive producing and directing is solving problems you know because everything has a budget everything has a dollar sign <laughs> everything has yeah. a cost everything has a cost this makes me think of the 10,000 hour rule because, you know, in essence, man, you're getting a lot of hours a lot faster than a lot of people because of the sacrifices you've chosen to make. So, and that experience, I mean, do, do you feel that? Like, as you're, as you're going through the process, do you feel like, man, I'm learning a lot? Like, I, I, I'm definitely a better filmmaker than I was or wanted to be a year ago because of, 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 of these moments. Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm, a, I'm a definitely a better writer, definitely yeah. a better... Uh, eventually, I'm, you know, I want to produce, so I definitely will feel when it that time is time for me to produce, time for me to branch off and, and start my own production or start my own things. I will be very prepared because I've learned so much already. It's crazy, man. Um, but I just want to say, like, I know you and you and Terry just met, uh, but you my dog, bro, and like, like I'm not gonna say none of this on air, but you've looked out for me in, in so many ways over the years, man. As you've moved up, and that's, you know, I know you don't know a whole whole lot about helping homies win, but it's a lot of even what our relationship is, man. Like, you know, when you're in a position to to do for your brother, you do. You know what I'm saying? And that's one thing that I've uh, seen firsthand with you, bro. And uh, I'm so proud of you, dog. Like I remember baby driver sitting on the steps. In downtown Atlanta, just like clowning and talking or whatever, bro. We had no idea. No, no idea. That you be writing. Wait, you were with him on Baby yes, Driver, yeah, and yeah. he's done all. Yes. This is the transition, that bro. You, bro, he was wow. a PA. I was, I was, I just got into acting, bro. I'm talking about before Greenleaf. I'm talking about before Swamp Murders, which is the first thing I ever did. Life of the Party before Nigerian yeah, Prince. Way before wow. Dare Me. Bro, this man, like, yeah. we're working in Atlanta. I don't know nobody on these sets, yeah. you know? So I always gravitate, I don't know why, towards, you know, the AD department, the PAs. We normally end up being cool, you know? And this is one of the dudes that, you know, I just kind of came up with, man. Like, we met, yeah. Yeah. we hit it off, we stayed in touch over the years. Like, we don't talk, I mean, you get to a point where you can't talk to your, your people every day, yeah. but, you know, we stay in touch, man. We hoops, you know, and yeah. uh, Piedmont Park and all, I mean, like, we, we kick it, dog. Yeah. And, like, 
to see what this man has done, especially after hearing his story, because like you know, as y'all, I don't y'all should know on this on this podcast, I'm divorced too, so we you know relate on those levels, and like I just remember the conversations, like he said, you know he you know he you know he has aspirations of being a writer, I have aspirations of acting, but so does everybody else, so. I mean, I know. I mean, I'm just if I'm being honest, like I didn't like know that this was gonna happen for no, you. Either. As I don't I think you knew it was gonna no, happen for me. I this didn't. way, I'm like, whoa. Right, this, yeah, you know, this fool wanna be an actor. This dude trying to trying to write. Okay, we'll see. Everybody yeah. trying to do because everybody, every PA, every yeah. prop guy, everybody on yeah. set, they got these jobs. They want to do something else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So watching you, bro, over the years, dog, and what you've been able to accomplish, man, the risks that you've taken, dog. Bro, they've inspired me, bro. Yeah, and like, like you pushing the narrative across, man, with just like what you do, man. This is what you know, inspires, you know, what we do, what helping homies win, bro. It's 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 people like you that that look out for folks, man, that that, that take the time to uh to invest, man. And bro, I'm proud of you, dog. I appreciate you stopping through the podcast, bro. Like like real talk. You didn't even know what you was really walking no, into, I, bro. I, but that was straight bro you did, bro. And I appreciate cause this is a, this is a, this is a good ass episode, dog. So man, I just appreciate you. Can you uh just you know, whatever your final remarks. So I know you're about to die, but I'm no, just saying, like, <laughs> whatever you uh, want to tell the people you got going on or whatever, bro, like, go for it. No, I was and I got saying, one I, last question for you after. Go oh, ahead. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just want to say the same thing. I'm, I'm, it's, it just goes back to what's meant for you. It's meant for you. There's people that's been pursuing acting for years, for years. And look, look at Antonio. Look at him. He's on Greenleaf. He's on. He's on. Well-known projects and Nigerian Prince is about to be a big thing too. October nineteenth for those wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always uh, plugged, brother. My dog. You know what's meant for you is meant for you, and those who are meant to stick in your life, they will. Yeah. And that's why we're still. Yeah. Still in touch. But these are the moments we talk about. How like, bro, literally, bro, five, ten years from now. Y'all can't see it, but I got emotional, bro, while I was talking. I apologize, But But, like, five, five, ten years from now, bro, we're going to be, like, having, like, drinks somewhere, bro. Or maybe on some vacation, we all, like, you know, get our, get our situation straight, you know, with our relationships. <laughs> you know, we're going we to have conversations, bro, like, bro, remember when? <clears throat> like, because, bro, this is the beginning, dog. We, you're 28 now, right? Uh, 29. 29. Yeah. 27, 27, bro. Like, bro, this is the beginning, bro. Oh, bro. Yeah. bro, if you listen to Gary V, bro, we're still babies, dog. Yeah. Our life don't start for another 13 years. Exactly. 11 for you. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> 11 for me. <laughs> and I think, I think that's what other men younger than us have to realize is that yeah. it, it, something doesn't click over in your mind until you get into your late 20s. Like, <sighs> bro, it's a light switch, some, bro. Yeah. Oh something goes God. off. And you start to get stuff. You start to get it. You start to get life a little better. You got some foundation to build on. Yeah. 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 You, you have to. You have to have a foundation. You have to. Um, my brother got his first episode of Black Lightning dropping, what, next year, 20, 2019? Uh, yeah. Or no, or this it, year? No. It, well, we'll film this October, uh-huh. and then it won't air probably on TV until January next year. Yeah. Bro. Wow. Ah, sick, bro. And you got a couple of scripts you're working on yourself. When is your book going up? Uh, I hope in uh, maybe around December. December. What's yeah. the name of it again? Uh, Conceptions of Love. Let us know, because we're going to yeah, plug the hell out oh. of that. Um, is it done? Can I, can I read some? Yeah, yeah. Okay, for sure. I don't know why I haven't asked yet. Yeah. Um, I have two questions, I think. Um, one is, what's your favorite books, bro, since you're a writer? I got to know. My favorite what? Yeah, if your favorite books. Oh, man, favorite books. I, that's hard. I'm... I'm a book addict. Just name whatever, whatever uh, comes to mind. 
Uh, Four Agreements. Uh, okay. Four Agreements. Uh, that's another book called Principles by Ray Dalio. Really good. It's about life principles. But me and Terry typing all about this as we speak. Go ahead. Principles uh, by who? Uh, Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio. Um, you know the secret, the secret of power. All, all actually, all the 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 series of the Four Agreements, the uh, Voice of Knowledge, uh, Mastery of Love. Mm. All mm. Of, mm. Mm, I'm, I'm really a master of love right now. I used to have that. The Alchemist. Book. Alchemist, yeah. The Alch- that's my favorite book of all time. If you've ever met me, I've told you about The Alchemist. That's a fact. I'm Antonio. Have you read The Alchemist? <laughs> <laughs> my name is Antonio Belgier, but I'd like to take a moment today to talk to you about The Alchemist. <laughs> it's not a religion, it's a book by Paulo Coelho, one of the greatest books of all time. At me, I don't even care. Um, I'm buying uh, principles right now. And lastly, bro, for people that. Um, that have a dream, that, that want to do something, man. I think you can even speak on this better than me. I, I've stepped on faith, but not nearly um, as much as you've had to. What, what, what would your advice be to people that want to break into um, those, those uncharted territories? They want to be actors. They want to be writers, um, producers, directors, um, musicians, whatever the case is. They, they have a dream that they want to accomplish. What would your, 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 your um, core principles be for them to, to, to tap in? Um, I think, I mean, I think the first step of it is, is faith. And I'm not saying you have to have religion or be religious, but faith, the uh, the ability to believe, the ability to believe. If you don't have the ability to believe, then what can you achieve? Because you don't, you don't believe. You don't believe you can achieve it. You don't believe you can have it. So you ain't got nothing. Yeah, you don't, you don't have nothing. And I think, I think the other thing too, I think, you have to be, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. You can't always be comfortable. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable, and and you have to you have to realize that you that you're equipped already. Everything that you need is inside of you. You're equipped with it, and it's just about experiencing life, different life experiences that bring those different qualities out of you, and then you learn how to use them. And then at some point, you realize how to put them all together, and then you can walk fully in life yeah. as you, who you are as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Bars, bro. Saying. Yo, T, you got something, man? Bro, that's amazing. Hey, yo, I just appreciate y'all listening. Um, everybody that's here, bro, tell us how we can find you. Social media, mm. website, what's happening? Oh, uh, Instagram, uh, J underscore Allen Brown. J Allen Brown. J Allen Brown. Yeah. Facebook's the same thing, J Allen Brown. But as you guys know, man, helping homies win is a conversation and it's an ongoing conversation. Just when we stop recording doesn't mean this conversation stops. So if you guys have any, you know, comments or ideas of this episode, or any episode has affected you or whatever, man, um, DM us, you know. Um, I'm answering every DM about helping homies win. I don't care, bro. What's happening? I hear you. I'm answering those DMs. So so hit us up, man. Um, let's talk. Um, we really appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, numbers, are, uh, man, like, we booming right now, bro. And we appreciate y'all for, like, showing love and supporting the podcast. This is Helping Homies Win. Um, much love, peace, and light throughout your week, man. We're going to see y'all soon. Peace. See ya.